Good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church. If you are a visitor with us today, I hope I'm not the first person to welcome you. And uh, if I have not had the chance to meet you, I hope at some point today to connect with you. Today is kind of a different day here at Restoration Church. This is kind of exciting and it's fun. As Nate mentioned earlier, we had a guest youth band that was up here leading worship. Uh, these are a great group of kids who went up to Lost Creek Village Camp at the, for the Madison House Camp. Uh, we're able to lead worship up at camp last week, and so this is their opportunity to come and kind of share what they did. Uh, they'll be introducing us to some uh, new songs that they played while they were at camp, and so if they're new to you, do your best to join in. It should be a good time. Our message this morning, this morning is also going to be a little different than what we normally do. So if you do have a Bible, if you want to turn your Bible to John chapter 1, uh, John chapter, excuse me, I lied. We're going to turn to John chapter 12, John chapter 12. Um, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, you'd like one, we've got a couple ushers in the back, um, that will, the big guy in the tank top, he looks scary, he's really a nice guy. So if you need a Bible, just put your hand up and we'd love to get a Bible in your hands. If you don't have a Bible, let that be our gift to you, uh, just as a way to, uh, to bless you. <laughs> be in, in John chapter 12, uh, before, it's going to take a minute before we get into our text, so let's, uh, let's stop right now, let's take a minute to pray. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for this opportunity to uh, be in this building. Thank you, Lord, for providing it for us. Uh, thank you for uh, the worship team and all the people who came to get the church set up for this, us this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us now just to put distractions out of our mind, that we could focus on who you are and what you've done for us. I pray as we open up your word that you would give us understanding and give us hearts to hear. Lord, we praise you for who you are, and we ask for your, your, your presence to be with us this morning. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Let me just start out and say I love this church. Can I say that? I love this church. We are, as of last week, we were four months old. A four-month-old baby. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And we're still figuring out how to do church. We're still figuring out how do we do church in a multi-ethnic setting. How do we church, do church in the seasons performance hall? Seems every week we're learning something different about this building. We haven't got it all figured out yet. But I love what we're learning. I love, as we look back at the last four months, I love looking back and seeing what God has done in four months. It is, it is, it is tremendous what God has done. And I am so excited for what is coming. Because I know that God has many more things that he's going to do through this church. And I'm excited because... This summer, we were able to send Jim and Jan Herring to Haiti on a mission trip with a group of students from Riverside Christian. And that's such a tremendous blessing as a church to be able to send people out who are going to go on mission. I'm thankful that we got to send this worship team up to camp last week and be able to commission them as they were going to work with the teens up there. Uh, I'm excited because we see people growing, we see lives changing, we see new people stepping up and committing to be a part of this. You know, as much as I love this church, I love the church in general. You see, amen, thank you. Yes, as, as we often as humans, we see a lot of screwed up churches. Because we humans, we screw churches up. <laughs> uh, we shift the focus of the church to be from Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. We shift the focus to being about religion, to being about legalism, to being about rules. It becomes stagnant. And unfortunately, you look around and you see a lot of churches that are dying. They're dying churches. But see, the church, the way that Jesus established it, the purpose he created it for, 
the power that it holds, the value that Jesus has on the church, I love it. It is beautiful. It is amazing. It's something that once we begin to experience that, it transforms us. See, I'm absolutely humbled and honored that God would place me in the position of a pastor of a church. See, we believe that Jesus is the head of this church, and we all answer to him, and, and I'm included in that. But God calls leaders to lead the church. And these are shoes that I often don't feel I'm capable to fill as being the pastor of this church because I realize I don't bring much to the table. So I'm thankful that God can use someone like me for a purpose like this. And so as I was thinking about my love for the church, I was thinking about my excitement for what God has done right here in the last four months. And I thought, man, I want to I I capitalize on this. But then I thought, you know, not everybody here probably knows what the church is about. Not everybody has probably seen God's, God's plan for the church. I mean, we, the question begins, and I've heard this a few times. I don't know if you've heard this. Somebody says, well, why are you starting another church? Well, don't we already have a, why start another church? Why don't you go start a new community center? Why don't you go make a new social club where people can, can make friends and feel good about themselves? You know, why start a church? Well, the idea of the church wasn't established by us humans. The idea of the church was established by God. God instituted the church. Jesus was the first person to men- mention the church in, in Matthew. Jesus asked the disciples, they said, Jesus said to them, who do you think I am? He said, first, who do other people say I am? And they said, well, some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're a teacher. And Jesus looked at his disciples, his closest friends, and says, who do you say that I am? And one of the apostles, Peter, says, he confessed this. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And at that point, Jesus said, Peter, you're right on. And he says, upon this rock, upon this confession of who Jesus Christ is, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen to that. The word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia which means called out ones. So the church is a body of believers, a family who has been called out from the world by God to live as God's people under the authority of the church. So the local church, which is what we are, we are an expression of the local church, it is a local body of people who, are gather, who get together physically, who gather for worship, for fellowship, for teaching, for prayer, and encouragement in the faith. We are told that as a local church, we are to live in active relationship with each other, meaning that we live life together. We interact with one another. We support each other. We disciple each other. We hold each other accountable. We pray for one another. I mean, these are the things the local church is, is established for. <laughs> I love the church. I love, we saw a beautiful example of what the church was for this past week. Many have heard uh, Francisco and Priscilla Ayala have gone through a pretty rough week this past week. And uh, their lives are going to change dramatically in the coming months. But one of the things I love seeing, and this is why I say I love this church, is uh, we go into a court hearing on Wednesday afternoon. And uh, the courtroom wasn't very large, and there was only three rows in, uh, of seats. And uh, Restoration Church filled two of those rows of people who were there to support one of our own. <laughs> that is what it is about. That is a beautiful picture of the church saying, you know what, we're going to support each other. Things are going to change. 
in dramatic ways, but we're going to support each other. We're going to walk through life together. We're going to pray for each other. Thank you, Restoration Church, for being the church, because that's what it's about. Man, I love the church. As I said earlier, I realize that for many of you, and even myself included, you've seen and been in churches that don't sound like what we just described. There may even be hurt and pain involved from what you've experienced from the church. And if you've had that experience, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've had that experience. But I believe that what you experienced is not what God had designed for the church. Because God designed this beautiful thing, a family, so to speak, with God leading this family as our perfect father. Restoration is not, and we will not ever be a perfect church. We won't. Uh, we will and have already made mistakes, but our goal, our goal as a church is that we will reflect the church that Jesus designed. And we will keep fighting to see that that is played out right here at Restoration Church in the Seasons Performance Hall, Monday through Saturday in our, in our homes and in our neighborhoods. We are going to keep fighting that we can become the church that Jesus, uh, that Jesus established. But as we talked about the church, there's one thing that we left out about the church. What is its purpose? What is the church for? And really, the church's mission is twofold. Let me read for you in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is speaking to his disciples as he was preparing, as the disciple, as the church was preparing to launch. And Jesus gives this, pers- this purpose to the church. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, there are a lot of creative ways to describe that purpose right there. There's a lot of ways that we can say this is a great way to say that purpose. Our way at Restoration Church to summarize that mission that Jesus gave the church is to say our mission is to know Christ and make Christ known. That's how we communicate that mission here at Restoration Church. And I want to I talk about what that mission is and how we, how we do that mission here. Okay? So first, the first slide, let's show that first slide. The first slide that we need to understand is, is we need to know Christ. See, this isn't just a way of saying, well, yeah, we know Christ kind of like, well, we know someone. I went to a baseball clinic years ago, and there was this, uh, there was this guy named Edgar Martinez. I don't know if any of you are um, uh, a wonderful Mariners fan like myself. Um, we go through the ups and downs as Mariners fans, typically more downs than ups. But Edgar Martinez was at this baseball clinic, and I thought, this is kind of cool. And so I took my son, and we went, and we listened to Edgar Martinez talk about, this is how you'd be a great baseball player, and this is how you'd be a great person. And it was a lot of fun. And, and afterwards, he was signing autographs, and we got a card, and we had the little card signed by Edgar Martinez, and I put it in a little frame, and we thought, this is pretty cool. And I could say, yeah, I know Edgar Martinez. I know Edgar Martinez. I know him, right? I mean, I know him. I don't really know him, but I know him. See, when we say to know Christ, we aren't talking about just knowing Christ like I would say I know Edgar Martinez. We're talking about a very personal uh, knowledge of him. I mean, we say, well, I know Jesus because, you know, we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time by decorating a tree or something like that. We know Jesus. What we're talking about by knowing Christ is much deeper than that. Knowing Christ means that we believe that Jesus is truly God's son. That he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And that he rose from the grave and he conquered death and Satan three days later. 
Knowing Christ means that we have a personal relationship with him, that we've surrendered our will and our desires in order to follow him and his will. To know Christ is to know the ultimate truth in all the world. He is the truth and the life. Knowing Christ means that we are being changed to become more like Jesus. This is for every one of us. Every one of us is in the process of knowing Christ deeper and deeper. And as a church, we are here to help you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 60 years or if you became a Christian last week. Every one of us, we are here to help you know Christ deeper. If you don't, if you're here today and you say, well, you you know, I I, kind of get who Christ is, but I don't know Him. Can I invite you into a personal relationship with Him today? Can I invite you today to put your faith in Jesus Christ alone as your salvation, as your Lord and your Savior? We are about knowing Christ. But that's not all the church is for. Jesus was very clear that the church was to go into all the world and to spread the love of Christ and the gospel message to everyone. This is to make Christ known. Go ahead and show the next uh, slide. To make Christ known. See, this is why we planted Restoration Church. So that we could take the message of Jesus Christ, uh, the love, the forgiveness, and the restoration that he offers, and continue to spread that message across our city, across the Yakima Valley, to Lost Creek Village campgrounds, to Haiti, and throughout the entire world. That we can take this message and we can make Christ known throughout the entire world. See, God designed the church to be the tool that God uses to spread the message of Jesus Christ. God designed the church, designed us to be the tool that he uses to spread his message. So for the rest of the morning, I want to focus on how we do this. How we can make Christ known. How we make Christ known. We'll look at two specific passages of scripture that I think will help us to accomplish that mission right here at Restoration Church. So let's look back to John chapter 12. I had you turn there earlier. John, cha- John chapter 12, verse 14. And uh, actually, I lied. It's John chapter 14. <laughs> I actually should read my notes. If I read my notes, we'd be, uh, we'd be doing really well. John chapter 14, verse 12. Uh, dyslexic, not am I. So John chapter 14, verse 12. And this is Jesus, again, he's speaking to his disciples, and this is what Jesus says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now you see, if you look at that scripture, you look at that that verse at face value, it sounds kind of like a ridiculous statement that Jesus just made. He's saying that we, as in you and I and all of us here, he said that we would do greater works than Jesus. I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, you look at some of the things that Jesus did, I mean, he turned water into wine. I mean, how many of you would love to be able to do that on a Friday night? I mean, he turned water into wine. He walked on water. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He fed 5,000 men and their families with just five loaves and a fish. He healed so many people with a variety of issues. So how could we, how could you and I possibly do more than what he's done? How can we top that? How can we do greater works than what he's already done? See, if we think we can do greater miracles than Jesus, as in greater in quality, then we're being misled. We're misunderstanding. Because we will have a hard time 
doing anything greater than walking on water or raising the dead or feeding thousands of people with two fish and five loaves of bread. But you see, to, but, to, but to understand what Jesus is saying here when he's saying that we can do greater works than him, I want you to see at the beginning of this verse, who does Jesus say will do the works that Jesus did and even greater works than Jesus? He said, whoever believes. Whoever believes. And then the end of this verse says where the power came from. The power came from Jesus going to the Father. Because when Jesus went to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit on all who believed. On whoever believed. See, this is the key here. God's power would no longer be limited to one person on the earth being Jesus. But now God's power through the Holy Spirit was extended to every believer in Jesus. Every believer would now be ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do greater works than Jesus, not because we can do greater miracles, but because every one of us has been given the power of the Holy Spirit so we can become the hands and the feet of Jesus. We have the ability to reach farther than Jesus could because he was just one person. And now, as, as we look in, and there's, I don't know, 90 of us in here today, we have the power of Jesus. We can reach farther than Jesus could reach by nature of how many of us there are. These greater works that Jesus is talking about, we're not really talking about miracles. We're talking about the acts of love, the acts of mercy and compassion, the sharing of the gospel. I mean, we're talking about the things that make up the ministry of the church as we love on people in order to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with them. See, point number one that I want to get across this morning, go ahead and show that slide, is the church isn't an audience, it's an army. The church isn't an audience, it's an army. Don't confuse this. God doesn't just use the pastor and the elders and the leadership team and the worship team. Church is not an audience gathered around a pastor based in, in how great of a preacher the pastor is, which we know if that was the case at Restoration Church, we wouldn't have a very large audience. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. No, the church is an army, and every one of us are supposed to be in the battle of making Christ known. This isn't a spectator sport. This is the point of John chapter 14, verse 12. The power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just reside with only a small handful of leaders, but the power of the Holy Spirit resides in every one of us, in every believer. And our ability to make Christ known is so much greater when every one of us gets involved rather than just a few. You see, my goal as a pastor is not that I would be responsible for all the ministries that happen here at Restoration. I don't want to be responsible for everything. If, if everything that happened at Restoration depended on me, we'd have a pretty goofy-looking church. And all honesty, we'd probably have foosball tables in the foyer. We'd be playing foosball during halftime of church. We'd probably have the Seahawks game playing somewhere up during— actually, I'd probably put it back there. So as I'm talking, the Seahawks game— just kidding. We'd probably have a goofy church if it all depended on me. But you see, my goal is that the church would be a leadership factory. That we would equip and put you in places to serve within the church and throughout the community. I think we need to be clear on this. That we need everybody on board. Every one of us has been called to be a part of the church. Not to be a spectator, but to be a participant. We need to get out of the audience and into the game. And as we're looking at, at Restoration Church, we say, well, how do we do this? Man, we have opportunities for people to get in the game. I mean, there's, there's great ways to be involved, and there's simple ways to be involved. 
I mean, even thinking through uh, the simple way of children's check-in in the little lobby, in the little corner room over here. Okay, you think, well, man, I don't know what I can do to get in the game. Do you realize how much, uh, you know how important that role is just to do children's check-in? You've got to picture this, a mom coming in, stepping into the church for the first time. And the first person she sees greets her, welcomes her warmly, and says, hey, let me help you with your kids. Let me help you get figured out where you're going, where the kids are, what's going on. You see, every one of us has an ability to get involved in the game. We're looking, at, we're looking at this fall and saying, what are some different ways that we can love our city? We're looking and saying, how can we love the community right around us? One of the things I love about this building is you look to the north, you look to the east, you look to the south. We've got three apartment buildings right around us. How can we love our community and reach into those, those homes, those, those apartment buildings, and love on people? But guess what? If it all depends on me, we aren't going to do very well. Because this is a participant thing. And every one of us needs to get on board. Every one of us has been, has been filled with the Spirit, and we have the power to be involved in making Christ known. Now, I remember as a young man, as a young Christian, when I got saved, and I was thinking, man, how do I do this? I mean, I want to make Christ known. I want to share the gospel. I just don't have any freaking clue how to do it. I mean, I don't know how to go and start a conversation. I mean, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Do I stand on a street corner and scream, repent, to everybody driving by? I mean, maybe that works. I mean, do I go to JCPenney's and put gospel tracts in all the mannequins' hands? I mean, have you ever tried that before? The mall cop doesn't appreciate when you do that. I mean, how do I do this? I, I, I get this. I've got this power, and I want to be involved in the mission, and I want to get on board, but how do I do it? Go ahead and show that video for me, and, and this is an example of, you know, maybe this is what you're supposed to do. Hey, you think that's hot? Yeah. You gotta try that burn seven billion times hotter all over your entire body as you enter into the pits of hell because you haven't made a profession of faith turning your life over to the will of Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is a burn you won't get over. Mm. We saved you a cookie. Too deep, too soon. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that's how we're supposed to make Christ known. I'm not sure that's the most effective way. But here's what I do know. Take your Bible and turn back a few pages to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. See, I know when I was a new believer, I said, I, I just don't know how to do this. I don't know how to make Christ known. I don't know what, the way I'm supposed to do this. So look at John chapter 1. And the beginning, here in the beginning of the book of John, Jesus is just beginning his ministry. And he started by calling disciples to come and follow him. We see in John chapter 1, starting in verse 40, we see this great story of somebody who said, man, I want to be involved. I want to get in the game. I want to make Christ known. This guy named Andrew. Look at how Andrew does this. John chapter 1, starting in verse 40. And it says this. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. 
And Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. See, I love Andrew. I love Andrew because he becomes a very simple example for us to follow. Andrew was not a very important disciple by any means. He wasn't in Jesus' inner circle. And here, you notice how he's described. He's described as Simon Peter's brother. He's that guy. I mean, maybe you're that guy in your family where uh, you say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Kevin. Who are you? Oh, well, I'm Sarah's brother. Oh, okay, I get you. I mean, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're that sibling or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you're that spouse where, oh, I know, you're, you're, you're so-and-so's husband. I get you now. Uh, that's Peter. He, that, or excuse me, that's, that, that's Andrew. He's just not very important. People don't really know who he is. So he has to be described as being Simon's brother. And Andrew starts following Jesus. And very quickly, his excitement about Jesus begins to spill over into some of his personal relationships. So immediately after joining Jesus, he hurries to find his brother. He announces to his brother, we have found the Messiah. And then he brings his brother, Simon Peter, to Jesus. See, Andrew is, ra- is a rather simple story, but it is so beautiful. You know, there aren't too many stories in the Bible about Andrew, but what we find about him is remarkable. Here, Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. Later in John chapter 6, we find Andrew bringing a boy to Jesus who had two fish and five loaves that Jesus used to feed those 5,000 men. And later in John chapter 12, Andrew brings some great Greek people to Jesus who were seeking him. You see, it seems every time we read about Andrew, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. He's bringing someone to Jesus. So look back with me in John chapter 1 at our text. Andrew, he's given an example of a really simple method. Go and show that slide for me. His, His simple example is to go, tell, and bring. It's not fancy. It's not, it's not huge. His example is very simple. At first, he found his brother. He went out and he found him. It involved action. It involved doing. He had to be intentional to get up and go. There was a going involved. There was an intentionality of I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for this purpose to make Christ known. Secondly, after going and finding his brother, he announces, he says, we have found the Messiah. He tells his brother about Jesus. And what I love is this is nothing more than a brief testimony. Andrew didn't know every Bible verse about Jesus and about salvation. He couldn't tell you the five points of Calvinism. I mean, Andrew, he didn't have all the knowledge. He didn't have the answers to all of the questions. But he went to his brother and he told him what he knew. He went to his brother and he told him, hey, this is what Jesus did in my life. This is how Jesus revealed himself to me, and this is how it's changed me. He says, I want to go, and I'm going to just tell you what Jesus has done in my life. He says, we found him. We found the Messiah, the Savior. See, you don't have to tell your friends that they're going to burn in hell like the video that we watched. You don't have to know all the religious jargon and all the answers to all of life's questions. All we have to do is just share how we put our complete faith in Jesus And how having a relationship with Jesus has affected our life. I mean, Andrew, he's not doing, he's not giving this great speech. He's not giving this great sermon. He's just sharing his testimony. And this is what Jesus has done. And lastly, it says that Andrew brought Simon Peter to Jesus. Andrew brought Simon to where Simon could hear and learn the same things that changed Andrew's life. Simply put, Andrew invited his brother to church. Do you see Andrew's method here? It's a rather simple method, 
but Andrew found it to be tremendously successful. And what I love about, it, about Andrew is I think most of us will connect with him. Most of us look at Andrew and we connect with him. I mean, we don't see ourselves as having many significant talents. I mean, I don't see myself as having many significant talents. So I can recognize with Andrew here because he's not the greatest disciple. We may not have, we, not, we may not be a great Bible scholar. We may have a terrible singing voice. <laughs> we may have a trouble speaking in public. We may not see ourselves as being too important in the grand scheme of things here at the church or in God's kingdom. But all Andrew had to do was to go, was to share, was to go, tell, and bring. And God used him. And we know that Peter played a huge role in the beginning of the church. Played a huge role in the beginning of the church. We, when we studied the book of Acts a few months ago, uh, we, ta- we, 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 we continually saw Peter, Peter, Peter. God used Peter in tremendous ways in the beginning of the church. Okay? Can I just say here real quick here, one last thing I want to point out about Andrew is notice that Andrew had a relationship with Simon Peter. I mean, Andrew could have ran toward his brother because he loved him, or maybe he cared about him, and he said, I want you to know this. Maybe he ran to his brother because he knew that having a relationship with him meant that Simon Peter, maybe he knew that Simon was going through a hard time and he needed Jesus. Maybe he ran to Simon because he knew, hey, we're good friends, and he'll listen to what I have to say, and he'll believe what I have to say because of our relationship. But I want you to notice that, that Andrew had a relationship with Peter. Andrew had a relationship with Simon. Andrew valued that relationship, and he wanted Simon Peter to know Christ. Can I just say how important relationships are? It's all about relationships. I remember learning from one of my mentors. He said, ministry is all about relationships. One of the things that I've said about Restoration Church is that if we are going to be a multi-ethnic church that God has called us to be, it's all about relationships. We have to be intentional to build relationships with people. Because we can just go standing on a street corner and we can yell, repent! And you know, that may work. And we could just take church outside and just yell to everybody driving by, repent. And there may be a time that God uses that. But you know what's more effective? It's when we go out and we build a relationship with somebody. We, we take an interest into somebody else's life. We care about them and they care about us. And then when we have an opportunity to share Christ, the other person realizes, you know, this person really cares about me. They care about me as a person. They care about where I'm going. They don't just want to push their agenda down my throat. They don't just want to manipulate me to do whatever they want me to do. They care about me as a person. And as Andrew went to his brother, because he had that relationship, he said, I'm going to focus on that relationship. Because he had cultivated that relationship, he was able to go and share Christ with his brother. And his brother said, I'm in. Let's go. Let, let, Let me find out about this Jesus. See, when we take time to build relationships with people, there becomes a trust between us. It becomes a trust with the other person that, that shows that we really do care about them. We're not just trying to fulfill our agenda. I was privileged a while ago to hear Dr. Jeff Eorg speak at a conference. Jeff is the president of the Golden Gate Theological Seminary down in San Francisco. And um, as well as he's also the team chaplain for the San Francisco Giants. That's a baseball team if you didn't know that. And uh, throughout his life, he was sharing how he had pastored a number of churches um, and also worked in his denomination supporting churches. And he'd been uh, doing all these great things in ministry. And he talked about throughout his life, 
the importance of relationships. He talked about how important it was for him to build relationships with people in the community. And so the first church he pastored was a small community in central Oregon. And in an effort to try and build some relationships with new people, he said, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I, like, I kind of like baseball. So he said, you know, I'm going to volunteer to be an umpire in a little league baseball league. So he volunteers, he puts on the mask and wears the, the pad on the chest and, and uh, uh, starts umpiring baseball. He starts building some friendships with some of the guys in the uh, little league. He, his goal wasn't to say, hey, you need to come to my church. His goal was, hey, let's be friends. You know, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about fishing. Let's go play golf together. Let's become friends. Let's talk about family. Let's get our families together for dinner. Let's build a relationship. And he said his goal wasn't to go and say, you need to come to my church because I'm a pastor and, and I need more people to come to my church. No, his goal was to build relationships with people. And then, 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 then when he shared this, he said, now, when I build relationships with people, he said, there was a little catalyst I was looking for. He said, there's a catalyst for the gospel when you have a relationship with somebody. He said, there are four life experiences that just about everybody will experience. Go ahead and show the next slide. There are four life experiences that everybody will experience at some point or another. People die, relationships struggle, health fails, things break. When you're in relationship with somebody, chances are one or more of these things are going to happen when you have a relationship with them. And what, and what he said is that when these things happen, there becomes an opportunity for us to bring God into the conversation. Not by forcing or manipulating or creating the awkward, hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't get saved over coffee. No, these become a natural inroads to God. When a friend experiences one of these circumstances, they are likely more open to hearing about how God can intersect their life in the midst of their pain. I can say that after hearing about this pro approach, I've tried to keep my spiritual antenna up to the relationships with the people around me. I've tried to listen to the people that I have relationships with to hear, are any of these things going to happen? And it's been fun. I told you guys last week about how we woke up on Saturday morning to, to cries of distress and, and the apartment building across, our, across the street from our house uh, burnt down to the ground. Uh, so we heard people screaming because there was a fire, fire. And we're seeing there were four families that lost everything. They lost everything. I mean, you go to, the, you go to my house, some of you have seen it, there's just nothing left. There's a pile of rubble. These families have lost everything. Guess what? Things break. And as we've seen these families come back throughout the week, my wife and I have realized, you know, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity and as we've gone and, and talked to some of these families, we've talked about uh, God and his protection and his salvation, even in the midst of this kind of tragedy. It's not awkward. It's not forced. We're able naturally to talk about, man, look, look, look at the devastation here, but look how God spared everybody. Look how this could have been so much worse, but God's protection was there. And it's awesome. We've had the opportunity to talk to these families, and there's one family that said, hey, you know, we'd like to come to church with you. Praise Jesus. It wasn't awkward. It wasn't standing on the street corner saying, hey, neighbor, you're going to go to hell. No. It was, you're going through a hard time. Now let me tell you how Jesus feels about you. Let me tell you what Jesus, how Jesus can make things right. I told you about the Ayala's. And one of the things that I love about the Ayala's is they're going through this hard time. And you know what? 
we can speak truth of God's word into their life. And I loved it because on, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, I was talking to Priscilla. She said, you know, I've got a peace that passes all understanding. There's devastation. There's unknowns. There's scary stuff in front of them. She says, you know what? I have peace that God is in control. You see, (laughs) people die, relationships struggle, health fails, things break. Those should be the cues that we are looking for. So we can make Christ known. So we can share Christ with, with the people that we love and we care about. So that they can come into a saving relationship with Him. I'm going to try and bring this to a close. You know, I said that today is kind of a different kind of day altogether. So I want to do something a little different as we bring this to a close. I've got a couple ushers in the back. And what they've got, they've got three by five uh, uh, note cards. And uh, they've got a bunch of restoration pens. And what they're going to do is they're going to pass, uh, come on down. And, and I want you to, as they're bringing these note cards down and passing down the aisle, I want you to take two of these note cards. I want you to take two of these note cards and take a pen. Let me tell you what I want you to do with these. Again, this is not something that we normally do. This is kind of a unique day. Um, but this is significant, and I want you to get this. Okay? So go ahead and take two note cards and take a pen out. Um, what I'd like you to do is I want you to think about the relationships with the people you have around you. Think about the people that you were involved with. Maybe it's close family. Maybe it's extended family. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's the gal at the coffee shop who gives you your white chocolate mocha every, every day. Maybe it's your neighbor. I don't know who it is. Think about the relationships with people you have around you. Think through any of those people who either you don't know where they stand with God or you know that they don't know Christ. Think about people in your life who you know do not have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to try and think of one to three people in your life that you can be intentional to go, tell, and bring like Andrew did. Think of one, two, or three people who you know need to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, who need to have their lives changed. I want you to write their names down on your note card. I want you to write them on both note cards. If you have two note cards, you're going to write the same names on each of those note cards. Okay? Now what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to think of somebody who is already plugged into a church. I don't want you to think of somebody who, who's already in church because we don't, we, we don't want to be wolves. We don't want to steal sh- people from other churches. Great, they're plugged into another church. Praise God. But think of people who are either de-churched. Maybe they used to go to church and now they don't go. Maybe people who you know they're going through a hard time and you know that Christ can make a difference in their lives. Maybe it's somebody who you says, you know, I just don't know where they stand with God, and I really need to take an opportunity to find out where they stand. Write their names down on these index cards. If you can't think of three people, what I want you to do is I want you to start thinking about how you can start building new relationships with people. Where are people at that you can build a new relationship with, that you can begin to love and to care and build a friendship with, so that way at some point you'll have the opportunity to be like Andrew, to go to tell, and to bring. Maybe, maybe you've got an acquaintance that you want to start a deeper friendship with. Maybe, maybe you need to find a, a place to volunteer where you can begin to build some new relationships. Steve Bernard over here spends time every week at Rod's house. Maybe you need to go down with Steve and say, Steve, can I go build a relationship with some of those teens at Rod's house? 
Maybe you need to say, you know, can I go down to the Union Gospel Mission and, and, and serve down to the mission so I can build a relationship with somebody new? Maybe you need to go like the, like the young worship team did and say, I'm going to go to camp and build a relationship with, with teens at camp. Who is it that you can build a relationship? I want you to write this, this down. What we're going to do is when we close our service today and the offering basket comes by, I want you to put one of those note cards into the offering basket. Okay? I want you to take one of those note cards and I want you to put it into the offering basket. And you keep the other note card to yourself. And you take, the, you take your note card and you go home and you put it on your refrigerator. You put it on your bathroom mirror. You put it on your dash uh, in front of the speed li- the, in front of the uh, speed limit sign in your car, the speedometer, so that way you can always see that. Uh, don't do that. That would be dangerous. But uh, keep that card and put it in a place that you're going to see on a regular basis. And what I want you to do and what we're going to do is when you bring, when, when you put that card into the offering basket, we're going to take that list of names of people and we're going to pray for every one of those names. We're going to pray over every one of those names for an entire month. We're going to pray that God would give us the opportunity to go to tell, and to bring. We're going to pray that God would give the opportunity maybe to introduce him through one of these four areas. We're going to pray that God would give you the opportunity to invite this person or these persons to church, to invite these persons and tell them about how Christ has changed your life. You take your card and you keep it and you pray for those three names as well. And in the next month, I want you to look for that opportunity to go, tell, and bring. Because we've, we've, we've already described how God has given every one of us the power to be a part of making Christ known. We've seen the example of how Andrew did it. How Andrew didn't have to have the, the, the five laws or the four laws of salvation figured out. He didn't have to know the five points of Calvinism. All he had to do was go, tell, and bring. So we've been given the power. We've been given a method. You know what's next? Is we do it. Is we do it. You see, as the church, part of our job is to build the church. Not necessarily to build restoration and say we need more people at restoration just so we can have a bigger crowd. No, we want to build people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see more people come to know Christ. And as I talked about, we have the ability to do greater works than Jesus because we're going to see greater results. Because if every one of us goes out, man, this is a great way to look at it. If, uh, if every one of us were to go out every year and just bring one person to faith, one person that we would, ha- would be involved in knowing Christ. Think about this. There's a hundred of us. Well, we'll say there's a hundred of us because other numbers are difficult to do. If we did this every year for a year, okay, hundred of us this year went out to make Christ known and we had one person come to know Christ, we would double in a year. There'd be 200. And then the next year, those 200 went out to make Christ known and one other person, that would be 400. Do you realize that if we as Christians were to get on the ball, if we started right here, and every year we, 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 we led one person to Christ, do you realize that in 28 years the entire world would know Christ? In 28 years the entire world would know Christ. If we got intentional to say, let's make Christ known. We have the power we have the method. The question is, are we going to get in the game? Are we going to be a part of building God's church? Of seeing God continue to change lives? Because I tell you what, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Our elder team can't do it alone. Our leadership team, 
Our worship team can't do it alone. If you just expect me and the leadership team to get it done, it's going to take us a long time. We're going to spin a lot of wheels. But if everyone of us gets on, gets on board, if any of us, every one of us says, you know, I'm in, I'm in, then we could change the city. We could see God do amazing things right here amongst us, amongst our family, amongst our friends, amongst our community. Now, we want to look and we say our community has problems. Our community, oh, it's got all these issues, and we can read the newspaper and read about every one of those issues. But if we as a church got busy being about God's business, do you realize we could see our community change? Through the church. Through the church. As the worship team comes forward, I want to close by challenging us to be serious about God's mission for the church. We are here to know Christ and to make Christ known. Now, if we are going to accomplish this, and we require every one of us here getting on board, getting out of the audience and into the game. And we require that we serve and we lead and we love like Jesus. Will you join us? Will you commit to being a part of what God is doing here at Restoration Church? Will you get on board to help us know Christ and make Christ known in the Yakima Valley so we can see lives change? So we can see God's kingdom expanded.